Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. Usually, usually reside on the Erie campus. Got Thomas in the booth today. Good friend of mine. It snowed this morning, Thomas. Yeah, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> Me either. I learned that this has been the longest streak of more than two inches of snow in like 20-some years. Really? Maybe, maybe it wasn't 20, like 15? Something. Maybe. something. Maybe. I remember that 15 years ago, <laughs> actually. It was yeah. like in February. It, it seems unusual. Like, yeah, it does seem unusual. I heard you were the Grinch right after Christmas <laughs> because my Christmas lights are still on my house. because Fail. It's, Fail. And you were like <laughs> 7 a.m. Yeah. day after Christmas. I'm not the Grinch. I am what's called a hero. <laughs> <laughs> How are you a with, hero with this? With the enthusiasm that Kristen has of putting the lights up the day after Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> I have the enthusiasm to put them away. In fact, I could honestly put away Christmas on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, it is 10 a.m. This thing is kind of over. Let's button it up. Let's box it away. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, okay, Especially on years like this year where you have um, like a 50-degree day. Yeah. The day after Christmas. Yeah. I should You, you best be putting Christmas away. When else I, are you going to do it? I heard that you were, and I had another friend who was on your block who was telling me this, and yeah. he did the next day before the snow came in. I called you out both Grinches. But now I still have Christmas lights up. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe February I'll get them down. Okay, so here's my question for you, though. But I won't turn them on. That's my question, because the kids and I were driving yeah. to practice the other night, and a lot of people who still have their lights up are still turning them on. This is the last weekend. Saturday will be the last night. Why is that? It just feels good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought there was like some, some calendaring issue. No, but I can't take my Christmas lights up because Christmas tide is still ongoing the day after Christmas. It's only beginning yeah. until Epiphany, my friend. Which is twelve days after Christmas. Oh, is that what Jesus asked us to do? I forget. No, but he didn't ask us to celebrate <laughs> on the twenty fifth either, bud. So like I don't know where you're going there. Oh your Mr. Spiritual. All actor. your all your man made traditions. All your man made traditions. Oh my goodness. Makes me sick. <laughs> hey Calvary, we're so glad you're listening in on twenty twenty three. There's so many good things happening at Calvary. I got some breaking news today, but before I get to there, you need to go to calvarybible.com, click your campus, find out what's happening in your neck of the woods. Like I said, studies are starting back up. We've got retreats. There's ways to get your kids plugged in here at Calvary, middle school, high schoolers, Calvary kids. It's a great year. It's going to be a great year here at Calvary. The Lord's going to do some amazing things, and we don't want you to miss out. So go to calvarybible.com, click your campus. Thank you for listening to the announcement. But breaking news, I know that caught your attention to get you through the announcements. Breaking news, Thomas. Did, you should do the... <laughs> did, 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 did. You got to do that. <laughs> okay, wow. That was... Later. All right. Breaking news. Is this real breaking news? Yes, it is. Calvary Bible Church has officially gotten new coffee on all three campuses. Have we not podcasted about this already? Well, we... Erie went first. Oh, okay. You know, but because Jay Ewing's excitement was overwhelming, that no, we're just going to do that. You know what week. I bet happened? Yeah. Just trying to connect the dots. 
all the listeners mm-hmm. to this podcast on Thornton and Boulder probably just cried out to their campus leadership. Oh, they did. Yeah. They and were the, wondering. And the outcry was yeah. so great. That the Lord heard. Yeah. <laughs> just like the beginning of Exodus. Yeah. <laughs> Where's we, your misery? Where is our meat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more of the coming out of Egypt, but oh, okay. okay. Anyways, but yes, we got coffee now. Ampersand is officially the Calvary coffee. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so many are years. We, here's my question. Are we going to rotate uh, different roasts? Oh, my friend. Oh, tell me on about the, this. Yes, we are. We on are. the Erie campus, my distributor is bringing in some new coffee today because we've been drinking Peruvian coffee for the last month and a half. Okay. And I think in February and March, we might change it up. Okay. So, yes, we will be. That will be your campus dependent. They will be. Okay. Yeah. Here's the problem. Two, one out of the three individuals who oversee this new coffee thing don't drink. No, only one out of three drink coffee. Let me say that. Oh, one. really? Yeah. So, but they have, they're have they starting to see the light, and now you can enjoy some great coffee on your campus. For black coffee drinkers. I mean, when I see people, like dropping six sugar packs. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is. And the caramel whatever. I'm thinking. Yeah. There's no coffee left in that. Yeah, there's. you can drink whatever. You can drink Folgers and be okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I'd be happy to have like a cup of black Folgers, Maxwell. You think you would? Oh, I have. I know. In recent history. I, you, yeah. Have, when, old, when was the last time you had a cup of Folgers? Christmas. Okay. Yeah. And I regretted every minute <laughs> of it. You drink it because you still want to think you're blue collar. Now I drink it because it's affordable. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. You'd think that whatever. It's like $12 a pound for It's expensive, my friend. It is. But my taste buds are worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into actually some really good news. We we were in chapter 15 of Luke. Back in Luke. It's back in Luke. That's some good news. Are you excited to be back? Yeah, I love being. <clears throat> I love being in a gospel. Technically, we were never left Luke because in this Christmas series, we got back to it quite a bit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We were in Luke quite a bit. Yeah. But we are officially back into the orderly account of Luke. Yes. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yes. So we're in Luke 15. And uh, that's one of the most famous chapters in all of the scriptures. In fact, there's a warning for chapter 15 I want to give. Is that you've heard this so many times. That it, it could become boring in chapter 15. I suppose. I mean, but like, it's so good. But you have flannel grafted it, and kids long ago, yeah. you have heard songs about it. You've heard stories about it. You know what I mean? It's like chicken soup for the soul material sometimes. Yeah, I can see that. That's a really old reference, by the way. Chicken soup. <laughs> Man, there's an idea we should have had to make money. <laughs> that that and the promise blessing book. Oh yeah, it's like you didn't have to write any of the promises. Yeah, you just hijacked them from whatever text you wanted to, and put them in the book. And then you put them in the book, and then the best part, the genius, was you kept the exact same book except you changed the cover, mm-hmm. like promises for the graduate, mm-hmm. promises for the expectant mother. That that individual is probably taking trips to Hawaii. Yeah, with their prayers of Jabez's friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that. 
Okay, we're in chapter 15. Yeah. And this is one of the most foundational New Testament texts I would say there is. Okay, why would you say that? Because I'm going to be careful with my words here. Jesus clearly defines who the Father is in this text. He does that in other places. Yeah. But it would have caught everyone off guard by the stories he told. Does that make sense? Yeah. What aspects of him giving the father as the father of the prodigal and the father of the older son reveals something about God that would have been most perturbing? That he was so extravagant in his love. And that's the part in this text where you, we come to this text over and over again. And we've got to realize that this is some extreme good news that is redefining maybe how we see God and decluttering how we see God. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's the point of the text. Like the point of the text is like the graciousness of the Father. Yeah. The love of the Father. Yeah. And we hear that because we've, you know, if you've been at church for a long time, you hear that over and over again. But the listeners of that day got mad at Jesus for saying it. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wonder, I mean, application-wise, you, you start off this, you know, chapter 15, all three of these parables are given to the tax collector, or sorry, to the Pharisees. Yeah, and that's upset. That's they they're grumbling because Jesus is eating with sinners. Yeah. So like I think each one of us needs to figure out who bothers us. Who would we be grumbling to see at church? Mm-hmm. That's a really like, good well, application. Here? Yeah. You know, who told you who told you services at nine o'clock? You know? Yeah. Totally. Or even that even that grumbling of like, man, it's probably really good they're here. Like yeah. extra good they're here. Yeah. Totally. You're not thinking, oh, it's really good for me to be here. Yeah. Yeah, what is it about Jesus? And maybe you're asking the same question through grumbling, but what about Jesus' actions disappoint you? And that's where you need to investigate how Jesus is disappointing you. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but maybe grumbling is a better way. Well, I was thinking, like, when does, when when would you be offended? Yeah, maybe that's a better question. That, that Jesus was gracious. Like to, when would you know who would he have to be gracious to? You'd be like, I'm out. Yeah, you know if totally. if his grace goes that far, I'm I'm not sure if I want it. Yeah, you know, or it's not even grace. That's just like, you know, stupidity. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where the Pharisees are at. Yep. Is surely you haven't you you know who you're eating with, mm-hmm. and maybe they're upset because they're not seeing. Well, I want to first let you know that I. Hate the sin, but I love the sinner. I don't know. Yeah, totally. It's super interesting. It's that's a, the piece where, like, I would love to have. I, I wish I could have been there, you know, because you're getting snippets of the story mm-hmm. that Luke wants you to see. Yeah, but I'm not seeing the whole the whole full picture. Right, and here's the thing. I I, I was thinking about this this morning driving in. No one else tells this story. There's no other story like this in all of Scripture. 
Am I right about that? Like, there's... What, is, what do you mean by that? Like, on the prodigal side, the sheep side? Because I think he he's going to unpack who the father's always been. So I think we... Mm-hmm. And John helps us really understand that. John really helps us. Yeah. And Jesus' sermons in the middle of John. I agree with that. But, like, this story is just so unique. Like, it's just... It stands don't out. Don't you think it's the story of Israel, though? Ooh, that's a really good like question. This is the father who's who has a thousand times gone to like I gotta go find my sheep. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like they're stuck in Egypt. I gotta go find my sheep. They're out in Babylon. Mm-hmm. I gotta go get my sheep. You know. Oh, it, it is the story that defines the meta narrative of the scriptures. And what is meta narrative? The big picture, the big story. Yeah, the big story of page the one, scripture. page two. Yeah, it is the st- this. These are the three stories that define this whole thing, right? In some level. Yeah. It's interesting though. Like we talked about these three stories and maybe we should, we maybe should slow down and talk about the lost sheep, but in the lost coin and the two lost sons. I don't know. Is that the name you'd give to the parable? I guess it's been given a bunch of names. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, maybe we should do a, a podcast on how actually these get their names. Historically, how did these how do we get our chapters? And we haven't done that on this podcast. How how these names of our Bibles got, yeah. you know, titles. But, you know, there's a lost sheep. And the lost sheep is of a story, as you pointed out on Sunday, about a man leaving home to go find the one, right? Yeah, he's lost because yeah. he left. He's lost because he left. Which, my question is he goes and gets the sheep, and then he comes back and celebrates. Mm-hmm. Did he have a barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> Did he roast up some lamb? It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. But that, you know. Yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I The most important thing that matters in that whole thing is rejoice with me for I found my yes. sheep that was lost. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. He tells you the point of the parable. Yeah. It's not about actually, it's about how do you celebrate. What do you celebrate? Yeah, what do you, you know, celebrate? What do you celebrate? Over one about, loss over the right 99 yeah. righteous, yeah. Which is, I think, in some respects, you know, can can Christians be more focused on what heaven is concerned about, mm-hmm. right? So, man, people come in to the Lord, knowing the Lord. And then can we as a church always be excited, always be excited. Like heaven is erupting for one and not be disappointed. Well, we only had this many people at this, at this event Mm -hmm. or only this many at baptisms. Like, man, we had one. We had one. Praise God. Yeah. This is awesome. We got to see one. Yes. And, and I mean, just to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. Right. It tells you, you celebrate what's valuable to you. And this tells you what's valuable to Jesus. Yeah. One. What, what what do you think was valuable to the Pharisees? Yeah, that's really that's a really good way to turn this on the text. Gosh, what is valuable to the Pharisees? Because they're not excited that these sinners are at a banquet. Yeah, maybe it's maybe they would get some excited as how the, the older son responds. I want to be acknowledged that I'm good enough. Yeah, yeah, which is a human thing. Like, you know, like we. The, 
my friend Jerry always says we take the Pharisees and we use them as punching bags because they're easy punching bags. Yeah. But in reality, we're closer tied to the Pharisees than anyone else in the Bible. It is interesting. Right? Oh, yeah. And uh, Jerry always makes that great point for us, for me. It's like, don't use them as a punching bag. That's the easy way to use them. Use them as actually the reality that they possibly are you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bet they got really excited for, you know, spiritual achievements. Mm-hmm. They got excited about Bible reading plans. Which I'm excited about. Yeah, totally. Right? Right. So the danger is getting excited about the things I think also God gets excited about. Yeah. Right? So progress in faith, mm-hmm. maturity. Mm-hmm. That's right. But losing sight of the mission of God. Mm-hmm. That's even better. Yeah. Totally. You know, you know, in the second one, Jesus sort of changes what they're celebrating or tells you what who's celebrating. He says, just so I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So he tells you a cosmological reality. So this is not like people rejoicing or him rejoicing. Now it's the angels rejoice over the lost coin. How interesting is that? I think it's great. It's just, it, it should slow us down to think about these things around like baptism services. Mm-hmm. Like we got some baptism services coming up. Yeah. And I think having this chapter in your mind when people give their testimony mm-hmm. and it's not just for the community to witness, like there's another witnessing community mm-hmm. that's also going nuts. That has it. Yeah. That we cannot see. Yeah. Yeah. But it's real. It's real. Yeah. That's right. It's really good. And then he tells the most famous part of this and that's the prodigal son. Rich Mullins, you know, Rich Mullins does a wonderful job of talking about the prodigal son. Yeah, how so? Some of his, in a lot of his music. He has a theme. If you know Rich Mullins' story, which he's old, <laughs> he's getting more and more obscure, but Rich Mullins really has a theme of prodigal within his music through his life. It's really helpful. Mm-hmm. As some of it's cheesy compared to modern music, but... It's a good formation music to hear some of the words in which Rich Mullins sang about. For the generation who knows Rich Mullins, you're like, yeah, I love my Rich. <laughs> All right, so do you think it's possible to be both the prodigal son and the older son? Yes. Here's the thing. I think this text is a parable, which we have to get parables. What is what are parables? Let me ask that question to you. Yeah, parables. We're going to talk about a little bit about this on Sunday because in chapter 16 we get a <laughs> weird parable. Oh, man. It's a very strange it's parable. It's so strange. It's, I'm it's glad great. you're doing it. <laughs> so, so you have to be like, what is a parable? Right. So a parable is laying, a, laying side by side something. Right. So in order to teach a truth, mm-hmm. he's going to tell a story. So he's going to lay it next to it. They're very hyperbolic. Yeah, they're they're... They're, right. they're stories to tell about what God's up to. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is telling a parable that he's he's a character in. Yeah, God's a character in so that you can understand a principle about the kingdom ethic, its value, um, talk about kingdom practice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's it's for us to understand what the kingdom's about. Yeah, and if you're very confused by parables, which many Americans are because 
they're very Eastern in their sort of originality and they don't really function very well with American like educational system understandings of things. Uh, Craig Blumberg does a great book on parables. Yep. That is sort of the class of I, in itself. That's pretty much what I have grasped as this is my understanding of parables from mm-hmm. Craig Blumberg. Yeah. Um, he does a, he's master class on that, but, and you could always reach out to Zach Thompson cause Zach always has some really good resources around the gospels. I'd be interested to hear what his favorite text on how to understand parables. It might not be Blumberg. It might be something Maybe else. Not. Could be. Um, but yeah, that's, you asked this question. Can you be both of these individuals in this text? I think the reality is yes. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on what day, the week, <laughs> what, what hour yeah. I'm living in. I wonder in some respects, I mean, it's just a parable, but, you know, like your younger years, could you be seen as, you know, I am run from home. I'm going to go test the water. So I'm going to go spice up my testimony. Yeah. And you come back and, you know, you kind of grow into the older brother. Mm-hmm. Over time. Over yeah. time. If you forget the grace. Totally. Or if you're one of the ones that haven't spiced up your testimony, you could always have been the older brother. Yeah. yeah. You just didn't realize it. It's for both. Yeah. It's for both. I think the reality is when you read this text, every time you read it, you're probably someone different. You know what I mean? And the reality is it's not the point of the text really. And I can hear someone shouting at me. It's not the point. The point of the text is the extravagant love of God. And that's the point of the text. Yeah, I mean, you really have to extrapolate it out because the parable was given mm-hmm. to a, an audience so that God could describe his love for Israel. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I'm doing. And then we extrapolate it out as, okay, how does this apply to the people of God? Right, totally. And then to me, you know, yeah, yeah. personally. But if you're a Pharisee, you would have been caught off guard by a few things in this, especially the third parable. One, the dad ran that would really have caught you off guard. Like, that's this uncultural, like, you just, men didn't run. Like, it was shameful to Mm -hmm. run. And that would have caught you off guard. That the father who is rich, who has wealth, who has a son that has brought shame on him, is running back to him. You know what I mean? Which shows you the overwhelming emotion which the father has for that son. He doesn't care about the shame. Yeah. Culturally cares about his son and being the first to see him a jewish friend of mine i have to look into this made the observation that there was a community duty to uphold the father's um honor Mm -hmm. and so in part of the father running to the son was to actually guard him against the community putting him to death Mm -hmm. and it's like i haven't heard that before i have to think about that yeah and so his running is not just simply, oh, I, my son's home. But let me also protect him from the community that would want to bring him harm. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. Let me be the first one to acknowledge that he's okay yeah. in my presence. Yeah. You know, the other thing would probably be, would stand out is like, not just the clothes or the fat and calf, but that he gave him his ring back. He gave him his ring. And in our culture that like we're like, okay, a ring, but like a ring back then was a a bond between giving you full authority 
of what the father. So if you said something mm-hmm. and you had that ring on that came from the father, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like restoring even to authority of who the son is. He can boss you around now. Yeah. I guess that's true. It's like he, he gets the full restoration, right? Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah. full sonship. Full. It, it was like it never. No, no asterisks. No asterisks. Like, well, but you can't touch the money anymore. Yeah. You know what you do with it. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's like, nope, he's it. Yeah. There it is. Fully restored. Yeah. Now, I know we're not supposed to press, I mean, this is my understanding, all the details of a parable. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's just fascinating how colorful this one is. Yeah, it's really colorful. With so many, th- I mean, like, you have the younger son in pigsties. You know, you just think, oh, my gosh, how repulsive the younger son must appear yeah. to the to the older brother or to the Pharisees hearing the story. Mm-hmm. And then the lavish love of the father to bring him in. Yeah. And then how kind the father is to the older son who's like, I, I can't embrace him that quickly. I don't even want to embrace him, you know. Mm-hmm. And the father goes out to him. Yeah, totally. It's one of the few moments in the actually the writings of Jesus, the speaking moments of Jesus where he defines what sin is. Do you know that? No, tell me about it. Well, like this is one of the moments in our gospels. We we know what sin is. We get defined by sin. We get a good definition of sin from the epistles and the those later writings. But Jesus tells you in this parable that the son sinned against himself, against his community, and mm. against his father. Jesus gives a very robust view of sin, even in a parable. I know a parable is like, stay on the surface. Yeah. But in reality, this is one of those few moments where Jesus actually defines the effect of sin. From the from the younger brother? From the younger brother. Okay, I thought you were going older brother with when he heard the music and dancing. <laughs> <laughs> No, my Bible college friends. No, 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 no. It's allowed. It's allowed. It's back. (laughs) Just watch Footloose. (laughs) We see what happens when you band dancing. Oh, man. Yeah, but um, that's an old reference as well. Gosh, getting old, man. Getting old. Uh, But there's a really great definition of sin. Like, I have sinned against not only myself, but also my my father you know what i mean like mm-hmm. the recognition of the detail of what his consequences are bringing is really important and in fact it's so important that jesus says it twice which in a parable if something is said twice yeah you've got to like that's like a blinking light it's like you're in a hotel and there's a blinking smoke detector light in the middle of the night right above your head like pay attention, pay attention. Pay attention. Yeah, start paying attention yeah yeah i, I think for me it's I'm, I'm glad you point out what the definition of sin is, but I think it's this is a, a beautiful picture of repentance. Yeah, you know, and that's yeah. It's like I'm not even just like sorry I did these things. Like, yeah, Dad, I knew it was wrong. Like this recognition. Mm-hmm. He also understands like, wow, this has this has ruined our relationship. Yeah, and I'm no longer worthy. Like, I I I couldn't come back and earn this. I am not worthy to re- for you to receive me back as son. Yeah. Which the father, I just love, I mean, to your point, like the full restoration. Like, well, you know what? You're still my son. Yeah. That's why at Calvary Bible Church, we define sin. Because you have to define what it is in order for you to highlight redemption. Redemption's weight gets so much better when you define 
the sin. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think when you yeah when you know the offense, right? When you know the offense, the consequence of the offense, redemption just becomes more and more grand. Yeah, beautiful. That's why you you, you need to go to a church that has great definitions of sin. Really good. And I think that's where the older brother comes in, where it's like it, it doesn't doesn't mean the father is just sweeping everything under the rug. Yeah, definitely not. Like, like oh, well, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And that wasn't really sin. And that's not really sin. No. Like the father is absorbing it, and that's what we're going to see in Jesus. Yeah, and he, the father doesn't even absorb it. He doesn't, he says, okay. And he doesn't even say, okay. He just says, yeah, he's restored. Yeah. It's like, it's done. I've already made my decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I can't even defend that decision. I'm I, even, I love it. It's like, bring quickly. You know, it's it's not even like, well, let's let's hear him out. We'll bring him from the community. It's like, bring quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, the father, I think, knows his heart. But again, parable, don't press all the details. Right. Yeah, it's really good. And we get the reason why he said that it's fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I think that that is so important. I know we highlighted it, but it's like, to be lost is to be dead. Mm-hmm. Like when yeah. I when I was lost from Jesus, I was dead. It wasn't like I wasn't in the preferable place or what was best. It's like you're dead. You're dead. And and to be found is to be alive. Like you have to move from the realm of the dead to the realm of the living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how would you encourage people to reread this text this week? So like we listened to great preaching. In all yeah. three campuses on Luke 15. They should listen to probably Tom and Zach. <laughs> but uh, how would how would you say, okay, this week, find some space, slow down, put the phone away, pick up a paper Bible, find a comfy chair, yeah, get your tea or coffee ready. How would you read this text? I think for me personally, this is, I'll tell you, I'll just have this. I'll share with you how I did. Because... I say this somewhat frequently. Before the Lord allows me to participate in anyone else's formation, like teaching on Sunday, he's first and foremost committed to mine. Yeah, And so I have to, you know, I sit in these texts for weeks. Mm-hmm. And the one that came to mind when I was in it was not so much if I was prodigal or older anymore. I, I, I know that I'm prodigal. Um, my heart's prone to wander. You know, like, Lord, just find it but am i seeking the things that the father seeking it's like three times he tells me let me tell you what god is after like he seeks he's a seeking god um this is what he's interested in finding that's right and what am i what am i most passionate about seeking and part of that's tied to like what am i most pat what, what am i most sad about losing right and so we jokingly said this on Sunday, like what what is the thing you've lost that really frustrated you the most or scared you the most? And maybe it was a pet, maybe it was your phone, maybe it was, you know, one of your kids. Yeah. Um, what if I had that same passion for what heaven rejoices over, mm. which is seeking and finding lost people? Yeah. And I just think I I have to re engage again to another level of bringing tax collectors and sinners around my kitchen table. Totally. And it's there. It, it's a pretty it's a pretty regular practice. Mm-hmm. But the older my kids get, the more committed I get to commitments. 
school, you know, sports, church, neighborhood, everything. It's like, is there still space for me to be intentional to seek after the things the Lord's seeking after? That's right. So I think that uh, mostly for me is that's what it's been is, wow, am I still seeking the things that the Father's seeking? And do I celebrate the things that he's celebrating? Right. Or, or man, is my attention and like this treasure hunt of, of life after all the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Maybe a good uh, question to ask is like in 2022, what's the biggest party you threw? Mm, that'd be good. And that tells you your greatest value. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your greatest value. It, it's Valentine's day, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your favorite holiday of all the holidays. All the holidays. It, Christmas is above Valentine's for you, but barely. <laughs> Whatever. Christmas is totally above. No. New Year's, Valentine's, St. Patty's is kind of in this mystery box. Of, <laughs> what are we doing? We know that you love 4th of July and Thanksgiving. And my birthday. <laughs> it's it's no, my don't. birthday year. No, it's not. Did you know it's my birthday year? I know. It's your 40 year. <laughs> You're getting old, my friend. <laughs> Hips are going to feel a little different this year. I don't know. Yeah. Chris nasty what I wanted to do for my 40th. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and preach. It's on, it's on a Sunday. I'm going to go home and take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, that's the saddest 40th. It's like, that's all I want to do. Yeah, man. It's great. Anyway, what, what about you? Yeah. What would th- be, be your? I think don't miss out. So I think yours is spot on. When you read this text, ask yourself, do I see God clearly? And then read that text again. And see what God is. Yeah, that's a good question. Is when when you think of God, mm-hmm. does a shepherd leaving the ninety nine to seek after one mm-hmm. wayward sinner, does a, a woman, woman which is who's great. looking for a coin in her home, yeah, turning it upside down, turn upside down, yeah, and does a father being willing to restore sons mm-hmm. outside and inside the house come to mind, and always looking out the front door, yeah. Ready for them to come home. I see him. Yeah. It's amazing, right? Always willing to take, he took a step towards the, that's another thing that I think is really important. He took a step towards the younger brother and he went and found the older brother as well. Yeah. He had to find both. Yeah. He, they didn't come to him. He found them. He he didn't wait. I, that That's really good, Jay. If that needs to be those three images mm-hmm. of a shepherd, of this woman, of a father. Yeah. What, that's, how are you defining God this year? That's who God is. Yeah. Let him define it for you in this text because he'll define it in this text for sure. Yeah. All right, Thomas. So good to be with you, man. Hey, Calvary, we're just so thankful for you. You know, like I always say, we'd love to hear from you. You should reach out to Zach here if he has any great parable books. I'm only thinking of the Blomberg one. That's because that's the only one I've read. But I'm sure Zach actually has some great resources. Also, the um, Bible Project did a good thing on parables as well. That might be helpful. Go check that out. Thomas, anything else? Yeah, the, the Bible Project just quotes Blomberg. <laughs> I think they do, actually. <laughs> I think you're right. I remember that. I was like, I think that's Blomberg. <laughs> Anyways, hey, we love you. Thankful for you. Know that we're always praying. We're celebrating when you... And individuals in your family and friends are found here at Calvary. Let's keep praying for those people, right? Amen. All right. Write them down. Pray for them daily. We love you.